Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. I'm going to ask you at this time to let us go to our scripture reading. And uh, the scripture reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we're going to begin at verse 11. And uh, we will have it over here. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read it here for you. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, in high places. Why? Take to you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days and having done all, stand. Let us pray. Father, today, we are in your house of worship. Lord, I ask you now that as we stand underneath the cross, that the blood will drop gently on us today. We pray, Father, that as we seek a word from you, that you will not disappoint us as we wait now on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The subject today is be armed. Be armed. Now, the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution protects the right of the people to keep and to bear arms. And this was adopted on December 15, 1791. And it is a part of the first ten amendments, yes, of the Bill of Rights. And so, if you have been listening to the political discourse you will hear a lot about the Second Amendment and who wants to abolish it and who wants to keep it. What this is saying here, that the citizen of the United States has the right to bear arms. But these arms can be very destructive and they can be debilitating. Now here Paul in his letter is asking the people of God 
to bear arms. He says, put, all the, put on the whole armor, or the entire armor, armor of God. Now the message today is divided into two parts. So I'm going to give the first part today. And then the next time I come, I stand here, God's willing, I will give you the second part. Now it has been said that there are three levels on which we live our lives. Each one has its own predictable results. The first is the lowest level. On this level, we repay good with evil. This is what we call the demonic level. On the second level, we repay good with good and evil with evil. This is the legalistic level. On the third and highest level, we repay evil with good. This is the Christian level. The results are as follows. If we repay good with evil, then we become evil and eventually perish as an evildoer. If we repay good with good and evil with evil, then we are an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth people. This means that our conduct is determined by what others do. That we have no moral code or standard of our own. It means that we are merely echoes. Now let's look at the, the, the final one with the C. If we repay evil with good, it leads to our own life enrichment and to the possibility of ennobling and changing our evil doers. And if the evildoer is not redeemed, we would have been spiritually strengthened. The first level is pure weakness. The second is part power and part weakness. The third level is pure invincible power designated by the Holy Spirit. This is where we are made strong in the Lord. We are strong in the Lord as and in the power of his might. We are naturally empowered to live our lives on the highest level. Jesus said that we receive power 
when the Holy Spirit is come upon us. And so, it is the power that the Holy Spirit gives us, the power that the Holy Spirit gives us, is the power to make sense of life. Because sometimes life just doesn't make sense. It is the power to begin to realize our true and highest potentials as human beings. It is the power to harness all the spiritual resources that God has made available to us. And so here in this passage today, Paul, the prolific New Testament writer, challenges us in this text today. First, in verse 10, he says, Finally, my brethren, be what? Be strong. We are in the Lord and in what? And in the power of his what? And in the power of his might. Now, the text here begins with the word finally. Finally. The word finally is what we call a transitional word. It is used as a literary device in essays and composition. Its purpose is to improve and facilitate smooth construction between sentences and paragraphs. It is given here in a logical sequence and it makes the reading very logical, logical and organized. So here the structure of this whole sentence is quite palatable to read and we can understand. So here the, the word is, is providing for us a logical link with what is said before. So you will not understand what comes after the word finally unless you understand what comes before. So now let us look at what comes before the word finally. There are five important things that Paul the apostle said before he said the word finally. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says here, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That is the first part of his thesis. Then he says, Father, do not provoke your children to wrath. Or this translation says to anger. Then the third thing it says, Father, bring up your children 
in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The fourth one, he says, slaves or servants, be obedient to your masters. Yes, according to the flesh. Then the fifth one, he says, masters, be respectful to your servants and give up threatening them, knowing that both of you share the same master who is in heaven. And there is no partiality with him. Now, we, we should not ignore what comes before finally. This is what we call social, uh, an outline for social relationship. It says that parents, the word father here really should be parents, but specifically for fathers. Probably because fathers tend to be a little bit more physical with their children. And the mothers seem to be a little more gentle sometimes. But it's for parents. So in this physical or the social construct, we find here an argument for peaceful coexistence and the social level. So Paul here says that there are two groups of people in society that are usually very vulnerable. One, children. Sometimes they are physically abused, they are emotionally abused, and they are sexually abused. And, uh, and they suffer the scars of this kind of Treatment for years. And uh, some ladies get married and the, the marriage can't work. Some men get married and it doesn't work. All because of the, the baggage that they bring to the relationship as a result of what happened to them when they were growing up or when they were minors. As I, as I sat here and I look at these children coming up here to the, to the story this morning, I'm so heartened to see them. And, uh, and they got a beautiful story by Sister Sandra this morning. The church has a significant role to play in the lives of these young children. Because you don't know what they face at home and at school. And when they come to the church, it should be a safe place. A welcoming place. A place where they are not threatened. They are not marginalized. They are not spoken to 
disparagingly. But they are respected. For they all have rights. For their human beings. Sometimes we just see them. As taking up our time. And occupying space. I, would you, I wish you would stop thinking like that. So when, when Paul says. Father. Do not provoke your children. We could, he could also, we could also broaden that. And the word provoke here. Means the way you bring them up. That's what it means. Then the second group of people that are very vulnerable are employees. And there are some employers that are very abusive. And anytime you employ somebody and you think that is a privilege so they should be glad for it, you will treat them badly and disrespect them. But you must see them as a part of, the, of your enterprise. Not that you own them as slaves. But they are a part. Of. Your enterprise. And your company. As a matter of fact. There was some time ago. In the social structure. When. Companies. Treated workers very badly. And so. They. The workers. Would sabotage. Oh yes. The, the employer. And sabotage the business. And after a while. The businesses were. Losing money. And going down. They would call in sick very often. And sleep on the job. And spend time not doing anything. And you know the psychologists, they study the workplace. And they decided to change what they were doing. So they, they come up with an idea where they offer workers ownership in the, in, the, uh, in the business. Where you buy into the business. And you buy stocks into the business and you become a part of the business. And in some places they provide daycare for their workers, for their children. They provide, you know, other things because they discovered, what they discovered also, that money is the lowest form of motivation. And so they would, they would, they would put little things inside. They give you good medical courage. They give you good vacation. And they give you a good pension plan. And then people buy into this. And the companies start to make money and grow. And people, they spend time working. Because they become a part of the business. And so, Paul says here, Master, be respectful to your servants. And give them and not threatening them. You know why? Because they belong to God as just as you belong to them. That's what Paul says here. So, in the message today, 
I want you to stay with me because we are in a warfare. We are in a what? Warfare. And in this warfare, we need three very important things. Now today we're going to talk a little about the warfare. And then when I come again, we will talk about the things that you will need to be successful in this warfare. Now, as we are engaged in this warfare, you notice that Paul says, first here, let's go back to the text. He says here, says, be strong in the Lord. That is in verse 10. And then in verse 11 says, put on. Be strong in the Lord. And then he says what? Put on. And of course that means the armor of God. Now, what it means is that you be strong. And you put on. The, the, the mood in which these sentences are cast is in what we call the imperative mood. The imperative mood indicates that your life depends on it. It means, in other words, that if you are not strong, you cannot survive. Because only the strong will survive. Yes. And the world and society is so vicious. And people are so vindictive. That you will not survive unless you are strong. Yes, the fittest of the fit will survive in the world of the wild. But those who survive are not necessarily those who are physically fit, but those who are connected with Jesus Christ. And so the first thing that we need, we need strength. What do we need? Strength. If we are going to survive in this warfare, what do we need? Strength. So he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The Christian needs courage and he needs resolution. The Christian should always be seen as a valiant warrior and a valor. A cowardly spirit is beneath the dignity of the Christian. In, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. Joshua says to the people. Be thou strong. And be very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. That thou mayest prosper oh yes, whatsoever thou goest. Now, without battle success... There will be no spiritual progress. I want you to write that down. 
without battle success, there will be no spiritual progress. In other words, if you're always losing in the battle, you will not experience progress, spiritual progress. There should be no gap between battlefield success and spiritual progress. This is the critical theme that runs through this passage today. That is why Paul says that you must put on the whole armor of Christ. There is no good reason for us to be so often advised in the scripture to be strong than to help us to maintain Christian character. And, you know, there are, there are two sides. Yes, the Christian character has two sides. How many sides did I say? Those of you here today who are Christians, based upon what we are talking about here, your character has two sides. And by the way, let me tell you something. As if I wasn't telling you anything all the time. But listen to this. People always confuse character with reputation. They are not the same. What I want you to understand today is that nobody can destroy your character. Nobody can, can destroy your character. Nobody can harm your character. Nobody has that power to do that. You are the only one who can harm your character. What people can do, they can try to destroy your reputation, which is different. Uh, I heard people say that I'm going to take you, I'm going to sue you because you have destroyed my character. No, nobody can do that. Your character is who you are and what makes you, you. And you are responsible for doing the things that will make your character a worthwhile character. Is that clear? Did I make it clear? Beautiful. Now, so there are two sides to your character. Side A and side B. You know, when, when I was a little boy, my, my, my mother had one of those record play at home. And it, it, it used to grab the big uh, record, the LP, and turn it over. When you play one side, Something clips out and clips in and grab the record and turn it over on the other side. You see, so every record has two sides. Some of them you have to turn them over yourself, but some, you know, the machine turns them over. Nowadays they don't have these things. They don't have them anymore. Your life changes. And just as our life changes, it changing you just the same, you know. Physically, because I'm looking at some of you here when I met you first, you were so young. 
You still look young, but you're not the same age. All right? I'm not saying that you're old, you know. You still look young and fresh and bubbling. I like that. Keep it that way. But you are not the same age. And I won't ask you how old you are. But you still look good. So here, here, here are the two sides. Sides, Side A. Side A. Is number one. The Christian I'm talking about. You know the Christian character. Side A. We cease to do evil. That's side A. We all started out. Being evil people. But once you become a Christian. The first thing that happens to your character. With a side A. You stop doing evil. What you stop? Doing what? Evil. You know. A man. Went to church. The gospel was preached. His life was changed. He became a Christian. He went to work and he started behaving differently. He doesn't gossip anymore. He doesn't drink anymore. He doesn't smoke anymore. He doesn't womanize anymore. And he was different. Thank you very much, Sister Gray, for helping me with this sermon. Was different. He was a different person. And then one day he and his friends... We're talking and they ask him, what make you so different? This is what he says. He says, I have met Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. And now I'm not the same anymore. He said, before I met Jesus, I was running after sin. I was running down sin. But now I have met Jesus, I turn my back from it and I'm running away from sin. So once you meet Jesus, you can't be going in the same direction. If you're going in the same direction, something is wrong. As a matter of fact, the word repentance comes from a lovely word in the Greek. It is called metanoia. It means to make a roundabout turn. What it means? Metanoia. What metanoia means? To do what? To make a what? Roundabout turn. That's what it means. So once we meet Jesus, he touches our life, then we are changed. So that is side A. In second, before I come to side B, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, the Bible says, Run from anything that stimulates useful lust. I like this version. Some people don't like when you talk from other version unless it's King James version, you know. But I love all of them. Amen. So, run from anything that does not stimulate, that does stimulate he, he, Youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, 
and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. That is why I love you so much. Because we all have pure hearts. Yes. So, you are running away from evil. You seek from doing evil. That is the side A of the Christian character. Then, now let's look at side B. In side B, we learn to do well, to do good. It's not just that you are running away from sin. Or you, are, you have given up sin. Because if you give up sin, and you don't replace it with something else, sin is going to come back. For there is no such thing in life as a vacuum. You can't exist in a vacuum. Something has to occupy your time, occupy your attention, occupy your interest. Something has to seep in your system. And once you are not serving the devil, you must now be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that clear? I wish I could make it a little clearer. But listen. But doing well is impossible if we are not strong and anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that perplexed me, yet fascinates me, is about the life of Job that we have been studying. How could a man be so viciously assaulted with such powerful vicissitudes of life and still come out not as a victim but as a victor? The human mind can't understand it. That is why there are those who have written off the book of Job as a myth. But as I read through the book of Job, I finally find the secret of Job's success. And he says here in Job 13 and verse 15, and I've gone to a different translation from the one that you're accustomed to. Because I like how this one says it. He says, Even though he kills me, I will continue to hope in him. At least I'll be able to argue my case to his face. And uh, there's nothing wrong when you're going through problems in life to ask God, God, what are you doing? Ask him. Argue with him. Especially if you know that in your heart and in your mind, you are not a facade. You are genuine in what you do. And you're going through all this pain and the sorrow. And as if the, 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 it can't get any worse. That the, the devil is beating upon you. He's, he has broken you. He has battered you. He has bent you. He has bruised you. 
Don't afraid. Don't be afraid to ask. What have I done? Why me, Lord? The song says, why me, Lord? What have I ever done? Yeah. And so, I'm going to be finishing this sermon, and then the next time I come, I will pick up the rest. Part two and three of this one, and then finish off this series. You know, the forces of evil are many and mighty. They are not just many, but they are mighty. And they overwhelm us sometimes. But I want to reassure the church today that God has provided the resources for us to fight against the devil. And so I want you to remember that life is short. Life is what? Short. Life is short. And life, life is a paradox. It's something that we can't understand and we can't determine how it's going to end as far as our existence here in this life is. One thing is certain. That although life is short. God's grace is long. Although life brings its problems and its pain. I want you to understand that we have a loving redeemer. Amen. Although. You go through. Suffering. And pain. Remember. That God. Is a mighty healer. Amen. And so. The love. Of ease. Is deeply rooted. In the human psyche. We all want. Ease. And we, we don't want to bother with the problems that frustrate us. And the difficulties that stretch us. We don't want that. We want ease. That is why we buy rocking chairs. And recliners. Because we want ease. But let me tell you today. As a Christian. You are not going to find ease in the Christian warfare. The Christian life is a battle and a march. You will not have it easy and you cannot be stagnant. You must be fighting and you must be marching. But I, as I stand before you today, I want you to understand based upon the word of God... That victory is guaranteed for the child of God. Oh yes. I want you to understand. That unless we are strong in the Lord. We will accomplish very little. So I ask you today. Church of God. 
people of God. I ask you today, what does it require for you to be strong in the Lord? I will answer that question for you. Well, you know, some people, they don't really know. They are confused sometimes how to live this Christian life. The, Paul says that we must be strong. But I know, I, I wanted to note that he says, be strong in the in the what? In the? In the Lord. Not in the church. Not in your social group. Not even in your family. But in the Lord. A strong young man at a construction site was bragging that he could outdo anyone as he sought to display his youthful strength. He made a special case of making fun of one of the older workmen. After several minutes, the older workman had had enough. Why don't you put your mouth where your Put your money where your mouth is, he said. Huh. Well, hey. he said to the youngster, I will bet a week's wages that I can haul something in this wheelbarrow over that outbuilding on the other side and you will not be able to bring it back over here if you are strong. Let's see. So the young man said, well, let's go for it, old man. As he brought and this older gentleman Let's see what you get. The old man reached out and grabbed the wheelbarrow by the handle. Then he beckoned to the young man. He said, all right, get in. Get in. The older man mustered up all the strength he had and pushed Oh yes, push the strong looking youth to the far side of the construction in the wheelbarrow. And reaching, gasping for breath, the senior man gently rested the wheelbarrow on his legs and said with a condescending demeanor, No, you take back the same load over there to where I brought it from. Hmm. 
Now, there was a problem. With a sense of defeat. And resentment on his countenance. The young strong man suddenly discovered that he was smartly outwitted by his senior worker. Dejected and humiliated, the youngster, with a halting step, made his way back to the construction site, pushing an empty wheelbarrow. To give him enough time to learn that physical strength is not enough to survive in this life. We also need spiritual wisdom. And that can only come from God. I say to you today, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his wisdom. Allow him to lead your life and direct you. And when God speaks to you, don't say no and don't say never. Be willing to give up whatever is in the way between you and God and let God lead the way. So I'm in closing today. I ask you, are you just physically strong? Or are you spiritually strong with God's wisdom? I call upon you today. I call upon you today. Make every decision to be strong in the Lord. May God show you his way and his path. Be willing. And I know God is speaking to somebody here today. Be willing to follow. You and I will never be successful in anything that is lasting unless we allow God to be in control. May God control your life. And lead you on to eternity in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.